0: Today we're going to be talking about data providers, and one of the most significant tools in an investigator's toolbox is access to databases of information. Of course, as we're all aware, these databases are very controversial, but in the work we do as private investigators in this very transient world, things like ferreting out fraud or recovering abducted children, locating witnesses in criminal or civil cases. Identifying counterpoint products and all kinds of reasons, a proprietary data provider like the one we will hear from today is just gold. My guest today is Scott Wilson. Scott is the Director of Sales for IRB Search. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Thanks for joining in. Thank you for having us. Us? Is there going to be more of us?
2: I I speak for the organization.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just checking. Sometimes
2: I can get away with that.
0: (laughs) Speaking for the organization or or referring to yourself as us. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so um, you are going to be talking about the ins and outs of access to data and how it relates to proprietary products you you Mm -hmm. offer at your company, right?
2: Uh, Yes, we can definitely talk about that, yes.
0: Okay. How long have you been with IRB Search?
2: It will be eight years the end of October. Wow. It's a long time. That is a long time.
0: You know, you have a very varied background. You want to talk about that a little bit? I know you've uh, got a little. Done all bit. Kinds I started,
2: yeah. I started with RRB Search in 2006 as a network administrator, systems admin guy. So I, 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 I have an IT background, um, and then um, uh, I was, uh, I was moved around a little bit. Um, I became the director of customer care and training. That was a promotional opportunity. Um, and, um, I, I was that in that position for about three years and then recently, uh, became the director of sales. Um, prior to all this good stuff, um, I was a, I am a 20 year Navy veteran. Uh, I was in the healthcare community, um, as well as spent some time after I retired from the Navy, um, with the Florida legislature and their IT department, Mm. Um, as well as doing some uh, consulting work um, after that bit. I was seven years um, with the Florida legislature um, and did some consulting as an instructional systems designer, uh, making online training for um, a few organizations, um, Miami-Dade County, uh, which included their water and sewer department Mm. uh, and Miami International Airport. And that, that was a financial type proprietary software uh, uh simulations is what we created, and then I did a stint uh with um Lockheed Martin doing the same thing with financial proprietary software and and then and what
0: and what does that mean uh, um
2: it's basically it's creating it's creating online training um uh using their tactics or should i say their processes and curtailing the training based on how they run their business in most of these um uh, uh, enterprise uh, proprietary software packages. Um, you know That's the best thing that you hope for, is that you can take their processes that they currently have and how they, how they do business and incorporate it into the product that they've chosen to, uh, to utilize. And in this case, to upgrade uh, from an older version to a newer version. Um, and sometimes the processes have to be changed a little bit on how they do business, but in most cases they don't. Hmm. Um, it's a tough act to follow.
0: Yeah, um,
2: but um, and I did the same thing at Lockheed Martin, and then also uh, with my healthcare background, was able to um, redevelop uh, some training for Department of Health that dealt with the um, Florida's uh, um, uh, vaccination program for for children.
0: Interesting. when well, you said you were in the Navy for twenty years in healthcare, what does that mean?
2: Um, I was a I was a dental technician um, in the Navy for twenty years. Hmm. So I worked in the dental field.
0: Well, that seems to be completely consistent with IT. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, as you know, um, our our veterans are mm, are extremely um, competent and trained. They're consistently trained, and we always have we always multitask. For some of yeah. other reasons, um, we always end up in things that we never thought we would wind up doing, mm-hmm. and, and .IT. was one of the things that I didn't think toward the end of my Navy career, I would, I would evolve in. But I can, you know my, uh, technology really evolved in the late '90s. Um, it was always yeah, there, but it really took off, and, and everyone began to lever- leverage technology. From, from the medical side of life, it was being able to reach out and educate other physicians without taking your whole team to that area by using the internet mm. and other types of technologies to get that training across. Um, and I know they've taken it light years ahead in the last 15, 20 years. But, but um, you know, we had, we had to change. We, being in the military, change management is, is a way of life. Interesting. Um, so incorporating these new changes, you have got to embrace it. You've got to learn it. You've got to see how you can actually grow with it. Um, so I became an instant nerd overnight hmm. and, um, and was able to leverage, leverage that information and that training. And I built upon it and kept building upon it and kept building upon it until I, I reached the aspect of being. I felt comfortable being a network administrator and system admin.
0: You were just a nerd in a Navy body. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, and now I know you want. You're taking a a different direction ultimately because you oh, got yes. your private investigators life.
2: Absolutely, I have a. I have such a passion for this industry. I am trying to get as close to it as I possibly can, and I, and and one day it just hit me over the head. The best way to do it was to take on the. Take up the sword and run with it. So. Um, I have uh, just this year in March, I, I got my intern license. Um, I'm I'm working with uh, an investigator as well um, to uh, to educate me through the processes, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully in two years' time, I'll be able to challenge the exam and pass it and do do great things moving forward. That
3: is but terrific. What
2: I really love about what I've done in the past and what I plan to marry in the future is is the professional investigator knowledge and training that I'm gaining today and to leverage that with the technology background that I have because I'm very, very interested in computer forensics and cellular technology and so cellular forensics as well. So I think it's a great combination. I think that every investigation at some point in life, if it hasn't already in the very near future, Will encompass some form of digital discovery
0: I totally agree with
2: with I mean with cell phones you know becoming more smarter um, with the technology continuing to grow on and we're, and we're doing everything with technology now, so at some point in life, I believe if it's not happening now, it will happen soon enough. the everyday investigator is going to run across that uh, you know they're going to have to they're going to have to look at technology as a way of 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 diving in to help close that investigation, if not just diving in and seeing if it takes the investigation a little bit further.
0: Oh, I think it's happening already. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, in fact, I mean, we're prime examples. Do we operate our entire lives on our smartphones? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> we're getting we're getting close for every day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember seeing a seminar about fifteen years ago where this guy that was presenting was talking about um, making the footprint of the, of the data or the equipment you carry around with you mm-hmm. smaller, and it was in a big bag, <laughs> oh, and yes. now, we have a, now we have a smartphone. So, it's uh, – talk about a small footprint. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you now are a member of uh, – Florida, California, and mm-hmm. Texas Association of Licensed Investigators. I'm a member of the big three. Yeah, big three, we call it. And yes. uh, the National Association of Professional Background Screeners is an important association because background screening is, has become really uh, instrumental in making good hiring decisions.
2: Absolutely. And from a sales perspective, it's a $4 billion industry.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you're a member of ASIS too. Yes. Yeah, interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, all right. So, it, with that background, Scott, you, you came on board with the Director of Sales at IRB Surge. Mm-hmm. And I know um, you really have a couple of things we really want to talk about. One is you have a new product called Focus. That's correct. That want to talk about, And mm-hmm. then you're going to clear up all the questions we have about the Deathmaster file. Mm-hmm. So let's start with focus. though, first, and okay. we need to take a break here in a couple of minutes. So I'll need to break. Need to cut you off. Sure. So go ahead, but but start telling us about focus.
2: Okay, IRB focus. We launched it. Um, uh, that is our new search platform. It's doing really well, um, and uh, we launched it uh, late February, a soft launch, and then went hard at it around March April timeframe. This new platform provides us so many new opportunities. It's it's a state-of-the-art interface. It's not the same cookie-cutter style that you may see with other data providers. It's completely different, um, but it it just it lends more opportunity for us as a provider to provide. Quickly, more information, more data, more searches, how we, can, how we can actually blend more information. We always talk about our comprehensive report as a best value report because it has a good synopsis of everything about a particular subject. Um, it, this, this platform is responsive, Which and what I mean by responsive, it, it, you don't need to download an app on your phone. It responds to whatever device you happen to be using. So if you're using your, your smartphone, it will respond accordingly on the surface of your smartphone. Mm-hmm. If you use a tablet, it will respond accordingly. If you use a desktop, it will respond accordingly. And, and what I mean by that, the visual experience will, will respond accordingly to the device that you use.
0: So do you mean, does that mean it'll look the same no matter what?
3: It will, at, it will
2: look, it will, I mean, well, on your, on your smartphone, I mean, it will be more of a vertical scroll because of the size of the screen. Right. But it will, it will act the same way. You will be presented the, the, the same type of fields and such. Um, so it will give you the same experience no matter what device you happen to be using on.
0: Okay. All right. Let's hold that thought and take sure. a break. We've got a lot more to discuss. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Okay.
1: NCISS and CALI are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! Listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to FRANCIE at PI's Now, here's Francie Kaler. Data
0: Provider IRA Search sales director and now private investigator Steve Wilson is here to talk about proprietary databases. Um, Steve, we were just talking about the focus uh, product, and how does that differ from what people are used to, other than the the way it appears on the different uh, devices?
2: Mm -hmm. I I think when we left off at, I I said it's not the same cookie cutter style uh, type of application. Um, It is completely different. It's more up to. It's just the Slickest thing, as, as some, of, some of the people have told us, um, that, that they've ever seen as far as a search platform.
0: So what does um, that mean? It's not the cookie cutter style.
2: Well, um, what I mean by that is when you, if you look at our classic product and look at some of our other vendors that are out there, you will see so many similarities of how the data is displayed. Okay. Um, just yeah, so what we've done is we have taken a more robust and visual approach to how things look in IRB focus so that it is it's more it's uh, to me it makes a little bit more sense in the way that we're presenting the information okay um. There are ways to throw out the things that you don't see by flagging certain pieces of information and then only showing the flagged information. Because, you know, when you run a search on somebody, especially with a common name, you can get, you can get several hundred results. Um, and some are, some are valid, some are not. So you, mm. can, you can pick what you want and then only, only focus in, as we like to say, focused in on what really is relevant.
0: Therefore, um, the name Focus.
2: Therefore, the name Focus. We, yeah. We're helping you zero in on exactly what you need. Okay. Um, uh, with Focus, we uh, a change that is different from our classic product is that we're also saving the searches as well as the reports for seven days. Mm-hmm. That's something different for us um, okay. in, in Focus. Then the other neat thing is that we're actually going to tell you um, if you've recently searched or... Um, or should I say, uh, as well as pull a report on somebody. Um, if if you've done it recently, we're going to tell you, if you happen to go back and make a mistake, what some people do, they go back and they, uh, they're they so busy um, that they often run the same search or run the same report. But we're going to let you know in ahead of time that uh, a pop-up is going to come up and say, you've already done this. Do you really mm-hmm. want to do it again? Do you think information has changed in the last, I don't know, 12 Whatever. hours? Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um, if not, then... We're just gonna let you you, there's a view report or view search button. So we're gonna let you take you right back to where you were before without charging you again. And we just think that's a value added benefit to the
0: Yeah, definitely to
2: the the professional investigator. Definitely. We wanna make an honest buck.
0: Now, I know there's people listening Mm -hmm. probably around the country and maybe the world that when you say pull a report on somebody, Mm -hmm. get they get really anxious. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that and what why we actually pull reports. Okay. So. Well,
2: um, when you, when you, our best value report is our comprehensive report, and that pretty much tells you a good deal about your, about the subject that you're trying to, to find more out about. Right. Um, but let's, let's, let's make it quite clear that you must have a permissible purpose, a legal purpose to have access to that particular information about that person. So you, you, you know, that's, that's the gist behind that. So if you're if this is a discussion about privacy privacy concerns, mm-hmm. um, then then it's all about that legal legal either GLBA and or DPPA permissible purpose to have access to that particular piece of information. You know, but let's take you, it a step let's uh, take it a step further.
0: Let's hang in, hang in a second. Mm-hmm. The okay. GLBA Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act. Yes, that's the act that was passed that prohibits um, pretexting any entity for financial information. Hmm. And the other one you mentioned was what?
2: The Driver's Privacy Protection Act.
0: Okay. And the Driver's Privacy Protection Act gives people access to driving records mm-hmm. for permissible purposes. That is correct. Okay. So, just, I just wanted to define that because yeah, not right. everybody knows what that means. I understand. And And just to say that investigators, private investigators, are always part of a legal process. Yes. Regardless of... How simple the case is or how, our, or whether it's a private client, it could end, of, end up in a court of law. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful that we get factual information and that we're locating the person that is necessary for the particular situation that we're working on. That is correct. And when you mentioned a common name, you might say, "Pull, you're looking for Robert Smith.
3: hmm
0: my goodness.
2: <laughs> you can get, there's, there's, there's a bunch of Robert Smiths out there in the world.
0: There are a bunch of Robert Smiths out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And how do you narrow that down? And that's and that's the kind of thing we do, is we mm-hmm. need to make sure that we are talking to the correct Robert Smith. That's correct. Okay. I just wanted to lay that groundwork. No, no
2: that's fine. That's fine. That is fine. Um, Focus also allows us to do a direct report feature, which is something that... Um, uh, Currently, I'm not aware of any other provider that allows you to do that. And what I mean by that is, once again, the cookie cutter style is you run a person search um, to get some very, very limited information, which is usually a person's name, um, pieces of the uh, social security number. There is redaction there in the last four Um, uh, pieces of the date of birth. There is redaction of the day and then potentially a current address.
0: Okay. Let's can we go back for that? Yes, go back. I just back. want to make sure we we clarify this. So, okay. so um, when people are concerned about their social security numbers are being out in these databases, yes. In your situation, it's only a partial social. That is correct. Okay, and only a partial date of birth. That's correct. Okay. Go, go ahead. Okay. All Sorry. Right. Okay,
2: so um, our director report feature. Um, if you already have the full social security number in, there are times where the consumer will provide that information. Mm-hmm. There are times where the consumer will provide their full date of birth. Right. Um, if you have that information about that person, including their, their first and last name, you can go direct to report, which means that you don't have to rely on the person search to guide you to where you want when you want the full comprehensive report. You can just plug in. If it's been provided to you and you have the authority to do it, and usually private investigators have some form of waiver form or permissible form from the consumer to do this, then they can actually just plug in the social security number and actually go direct report. Okay. What's, what's in it for the private investigator? You don't have to spend the money on the person search. You can just go directly to the comprehensive report and get what you, get what you need. from that standpoint. So there's a cost-saving feature that we have built into FireB Focus. Um, Our new comp report, our PDF version of the comp report, what we've done there is we've actually included now um, a summary page in a table of contents that is second to none. What we're doing there is we're providing on page one and page two of the summary, there's usually two pages. It just really depends on how how much information is coming back on a particular subject, we're, we're summarizing all that for you. Mm-hmm. So you can get back 80, 90, 100, 150 pages of information depending on the age and how much activity has been recorded about this information from credit bureaus and other sources of information that is provided. So it can be a lot to go through.
0: One of the big um, concerns, Scott, uh, mm-hmm. that you hear often is about accuracy. That credit correct. reports aren't accurate, that all kinds of data information out there is, are not, ac- is not accurate. What yeah, would you... I mean,
2: we're still, we're still dealing with, um, you know, forms for, for credit card applications that are being filled out by hand, being key punched by individuals. So when you bring in the, the 10%, what we call the 10% human error factor, then yes, there's always an opportunity for someone that's going to get tagged with information that doesn't belong to them.
0: And what, is, what does someone do about that?
2: Well, there's a dispute process, um, okay. which which is available. You can just say, I didn't, you know, yeah, that's not me, or that should not be on my report. We have a dispute process that we alert. We alert our vendors, we uh, who who then alert the credit reporting agencies. Uh, there are the big three: TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, who dive into it, uncover it, uh, verify it. If it's wrong, wrong information, they, they, they get it off, and then eventually it, it is filtered down in a very timely manner, and the information is updated.
0: Okay. 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 Now, and you were telling me that you have another uh, new program called Connections. Oh, yes. Okay, tell us about Connections.
2: I'll tell you. Well, um, a little precursor to Connections. We are changing, and when I say we, our research, we are research, we are actually, we had this discussion last week, we are changing the way that we're doing business. Okay. We're just not wanting to be just a data provider anymore. What we want to do is we want to move forward and toward more of a business-to-business provider. Okay. But always including great data. We want to help build, we're a technology company, so we want to help build business tools that will benefit the professional investigator. And Connections is probably our first child that has been born from this thought process. Okay. Connections is much like a listserv, but, it, but it's, and, I, and I, will, I will probably say this many, many times during this conversation it is secure. The information is encrypted, and the professional investigator has the complete control over how they use it and what is said and what is done. Hmm. All right. Okay. Um, It's a value added service. It's free. I'll say that again. It's a free (laughs) and value added (laughs) service within IRB Focus. Everything is done within IRB Focus. Here's the kicker we have thousands and thousands and thousands of properly vetted professional investigators using our products. Right. We're giving every professional investigator an opportunity to connect with each of these thousands and thousands of vetted professional investigators. We cannot guarantee the results that you will get when you connect with one of these individuals or this company Mm -hmm. and ask for assistance when your case goes across the state or across state lines, but we're giving you that opportunity to grow your business, okay, and grow your professional network. Um, there is a there is a rating system involved, and we expect everyone to behave accordingly. Interesting. Um, so you have that opportunity. It is if you opt in when you when you're a new user in IRB Focus, you are immediately presented with the connection screen to opt in, opt out, or decide later. Okay. Okay, it's totally your choice. All anybody, until you've done anything, until you opt in, the only thing people see are the words professional or private investigator, if that's what you are, and the city and the state. And then somebody, and just, just you know, if they want to connect to somebody within, you know, they need somebody in Buffalo, New York, and you're in California because your investigation just went, went sideways. And how many times have professional investigators been asked, do you do this, and and it's somewhere in some other state or some mm-hmm. other city that's mm-hmm. you know miles away from you and the answer may be no because you don't have the availability
0: okay let's and, let's stop there steve well, okay. we need to take another break sure. um, that was the voice of steve wilson stay tuned <laughs>
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or Cali. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at Cali-Pi.org or call one eight hundred. C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it. That's it. Okay. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Well, that was actually not the voice of Steve Wilson. It was the voice of Scott Wilson. I apologize. I evidently have been calling Scott Steve. Uh, that's for quite several all right. minutes now, <laughs> But uh, we'll refer to him as Scott, even no, though we're... I know his real name is Steve. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I do realize
2: that, <laughs> you know, last week you had Steve problem on the show. And I mean, that's a tough act to follow regardless. And you're calling me Steve, so I'm feeling pretty good right now. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I do apologize. Um, quite all right. At any rate, so here we are. We're talking about connections, and mm-hmm. and you know, Scott, when you say um, vetted, what mm-hmm. does that mean to IRB Search?
2: Every customer of IRB Search has to go through a vetting process. We vet the business, we vet the individual. We we make sure that that the business is in good standing in the state that they're in, based on the state's regulations. Um, we vet the individual based on licensure, based on the state that they happen to be um, in. And in some there are some states that do not license private investigators. Yeah, um, it's a short list. Very short. Um, and there are things that are changing. Alabama, I believe, just um, right. uh, just uh, enacted. Um, you know their law that that was signed last year as a, and every. Uh, now that we're in the month of September, that has become affected now. That there's no more grandfathering. Everybody has to have a um, private investigator license in, in Alabama. And then, as we know, that um, uh, I believe it was 2012, Colorado went through some exactly. legislature that uh, got a voluntary process going that I've been, I feel that will eventually, it was nothing more than oh, a footprint.
0: It, it, has, it, it has gone to a regular licensing now. It has gone to yeah. a regular, okay, mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, so right. they're now licensed as well
2: awesome or so, they will
0: be when, once the, they get through oh well, yes
2: yes once, it, once once the law goes into effect, that'd be correct yeah so, so there's only um,
0: maybe what about four states left perhaps
2: um yes, I believe it's only about four now yeah. um and and and, I, and it's four i say four ish because um when you go to alaska there 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 isn't and I use them as an example there there isn't a state um uh, license, but some cities and counties require license. Okay. So it's I, I always add the ish to it because it's it may not be it may not be statewide it could be it could be something completely different.
0: Okay, so when you say that this uh, that connections mm-hmm. has it, it's really your your customers that mm-hmm. you have vetted by a variety mm-hmm. of of uh, methods yes. besides the licensing. That's correct. Okay. So so people can be assured that when they're talking to somebody else that they have better credentials than if they just knew they were a licensed PI.
2: Exactly. That's you know, like I said, the the the, the, the one thing I can't guarantee is the is the work performed, but what I but what I what what I can say is we have vetted these individuals and we mm-hmm. continue to vet them. Okay. Um, um you know, everyone eventually comes up with a license renewal and that triggers a compliance um ah. Task for us, which we go in and, and we make sure that the license is still
0: active, okay all right um, okay, great, but, so now I know there's been a lot of questions about the death master file, so could, mm-hmm. could you explain, Scott, what that actually is
2: okay, the death master file let's let 's talk about it there was a great article written um, by a USA Today uh, writer um, in early February of this year, and Uh, let's just outline some of the followings and we'll talk about some of the characters that we'll, that we'll mention, you know, the social security administration is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, The uh, treasury department is another. Congress is another. Um, The department of commerce and the national technical information uh, service. We'll talk about those. And then eventually we'll come down and we'll kind of roll this all into, okay, what are the expectations of the professional investigator? Okay. um, Moving forward. So, a little history, let's go back a little bit. Um, eighty three million death records are reported have been reported to the Social Security administration.
0: Phenomenal.
2: Um, they provide inform you know they they provide access to this information for tax collectors, uh, pension systems, insurance companies, credit reporting agencies. And the reason that this information is provided to them, and they consider these legitimate people or legitimate companies or agencies to, to have this information, is to, as the article states, to prevent, I'm going to, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to add an adjective in there and say, or an adverb and say, help prevent fraud, because it is out of control.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I have a little story. I'll, I'll be as brief as possible, but mm-hmm. I had a phone call from some good friends in India yesterday who said that, that they represented card service members and said that they could lower my interest rate on my credit card. Um, they said they had all my information in front of them and they wanted my expiration date on my math, on my visa. And I said, well, if you have everything, then you should be able to tell me. Mm. I'm a little more, you know, I'm, I, was, I was born at night, but not last night. <laughs> right. Um, well, we bantered back and forth about that. And I said, well, I, you know what, I, I really think this is, you know, I have concerns here. And what are your concerns? I said, identity theft, fraud, credit card abuse. And the woman on the on the other end of the phone started laughing. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I don't think this is legit. I'm going to end the call. I ended the call. Within within 10 seconds, my phone rang again. It was from an undisclosed number. The, the, the caller was blocked. And it was her so-called supervisor who was wanting to know why I ended the call. We have such a great, we're going to lower your interest rate. I'm like, I don't think you have anything to do with this. Uh-huh. Hung up on them, called the number on the back of my credit card, spoke to someone there, and it's a phishing. I knew it was. It, it's a phishing incident. So yep. it's rampant. It, yeah. it, it is going on yep. um, big time. So how does, all right. So and let's the get, point let's you're making
0: to, is it isn't just in the United States.
2: It's just not in the United yeah, States. Yeah, right. No, it's not. It's everywhere. So let's get back to this. All right. Um, thieves have been using um, information that they've been gaining from the death master file that holds social security, inf- social security numbers of those folks that have, are deceased. Mm-hmm. And they've been using this stuff for years to file fraudulent tax returns, to rob taxpayers of millions of dollars. Okay. The treasury audits that were done um, have uncovered that the IRS... Um, often fails to check whether um, a claim or should I say a filed return
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, is actually a recipient of someone who has passed away and I'm not saying they don't do it I'm just saying it's not done enough
0: right yeah and
2: in, and unfortunately the best the best we could get from this report was in 2011, there were over 19,000 such errors that, were, that, that the IRS just overlooked, processed the claim, gave out the money, and nothing else was done about it.
3: Hmm.
2: So naturally, this is reported to Congress, and Congress gets in and says, okay, part of a budget deal was to close public access to the DMF. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was late last year. Okay, so they were claiming the proposed savings um, in fraudulent activity was in upwards of $786 million over a 10-year period. But guess what? It didn't happen. They never closed the access okay. to the DMF for public access to the DMF. And the Department of Commerce is the senior regulatory agent, you know, agency over the, the, the death master file in the Social Security Administration. Mm-hmm. They ignored it because they wanted to make sure that um, there was some form of certification process and, 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 and it was an established for legitimate users. And they didn't feel comfortable just turning it off to the agency or to the companies, uh, the public companies I spoke about earlier, the insurance companies, uh, tax collectors and so on. Um, they, we needed a vetted process in order to make sure that we're giving this information out to legitimate purposes. So in the, pro- in the meantime, it wasn't a good idea just to shut people off. Yeah. All right. Um, so the National Technical Information Service, which maintains the database, they also said they didn't want to close the file to those those that already had in their minds, and as most public people may may think, a, a real legitimate purpose for this information. All right. So let's flash forward a little bit. So what did what happened? The end of February, they cut off any. New information um, that was going to be updated in this file—they uh, cut it off publicly and they cut it off for the providers because they had, uh, so they could go ahead and and, and create this, this certification process uh, to ensure that the right people, the right agencies, the right companies were getting this information legitimately.
0: So they left. And it did affect what, us. So they left what was in there
2: they left they left what was in there, what you had after february twenty ninth of this of this year, nothing else had been updated. okay, so you had all previous information all right okay um, and if you don't go through the certification process, you don't get an update um until three years after somebody has passed away so any 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 deceased information three years. Three years out. So if we said no, we didn't want it, it would be 2017 before we got the 2014 individuals mm-hmm. who had passed away, their, mm-hmm. inf- their deceased information. Now, in our products, what you see, if someone comes back as being deceased, you get a, a nice big D next to their name, and that's, the, that's our flag indicator that someone was deceased. Okay. Um, I can't speak for other data providers, but I, I think it's fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been about nine months. And where are we at now? Um, they have completed the certification process. We have been we have been in, in, in receipt of our forms. We have filled them out. We have sent them back. Um, we
0: are certified. Um, so that means Scott IRB Search is certified. So then you are you have the responsibility. IRB Search has the responsibility for vetting. Their yes. customers.
2: Yes, we have the responsibility of vetting our customers.
0: To give them And, data.
2: Yes. and that's exactly where we're going. So what is this? how does this affect the professional investigator? What more do they have to do? We spoke earlier about the Graham Bleach Bliley Act and the Driver's Privacy um, uh, Drivers Privacy Protection Act. And when somebody comes in to run a search or or run a report, you have to choose your permissible purpose based on GLBA and DPPA. Mm -hmm. Our customers, and I I can't speak for all data providers, but I am fairly confident that it will work something like this. There will also be a permissible selection um, that they'll have to choose to get information based on the death master file.
3: Okay.
0: And, In and addition it gets a to level,
2: that, yeah, yes, yes, okay. okay. In addition to that, there will probably we will probably enact a another form. We all love paperwork. We'll we'll have to enact another form that um, that each of our customers who wants access to the deathmaster file will have to. It's probably going to be a one pager. I haven't seen it yet, um, but they're going to have to um, elect and certify their permissible purpose. Now, what are some of the permissible purposes? that we may or may not – well, I, I can tell you what we may see on there
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, for definite. One would be fraud prevention and identity verification. That would be a purpose, and I think that is probably the best purpose for right. any professional investigator to to need access. Yeah, exactly to the fraud. But there, there may be some others. There may be governmental rules and uh, maybe one that deals with fiduciary duties. Um, not certain if we're going to carry those over because I really believe that the fraud prevention and identity verification purpose – is probably the best blanket and but you're going to have to say that that's why I need access to the to the DMF and you're going to declare that on a form and then we have to keep that form for uh, for legal purposes um, and I would encourage people as I always do if you are uncertain about which purpose whether it's GOBA DPPA or now going to be the death master file consult your legal advice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, get if you don't have a, uh, uh, an attorney on retainer of some sort, um, uh, I would encourage someone to, to buddy up with one and, and keep them on your Rolodex for when you need them.
0: And I, and I know, Scott, from um, hearing stories in the field that mm-hmm. if somebody violates the rules, the subscriber rules that you have that you sign up with your, data, your database, that yes. you, and they violate those rules, they are off immediately.
2: Um, in most cases, yes. Yeah. I mean, we do, um, we do dive in. I mean, people make mistakes. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, I hate to say to use the word sometimes, but, you know, it's just ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance in a bad way. It's just they just made a mistake. They, mm-hmm. they didn't understand what they were doing right. completely. And that's why, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't have a real understanding of the commercial purposes uh, they can, you know, they can get you in trouble if you choose the wrong ones, and and that's why I always uh, the caveat that we always tell our customers is if you're if you're completely unsure about what you should choose when you run a search or run a report, seek legal counsel, make sure that what you're doing you're not violating any of these any of these regulations or mm-hmm. laws. So, no? and let it be known because and the reason we really hammer that home is the federal government came out with a baseline for the. Gram leach Act acted for the Drivers Privacy Protection Act, and as they're doing with the DMF. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that the states cannot, and, and a lot of them have, and California is definitely mm-hmm. one of them. Exactly. Where they have tightened the screws down even further about right. what you get, depending on what you choose.
0: A prime example is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, let me just explain that since I brought it up. Uh, Fair yeah. Credit Reporting Act has nothing to do with, for us, has nothing to do with credit. It uh-huh. has to do with reporting criminal uh, yes. criminal matters on an employment, yes. uh, pre-employment or employment Pre-employment, pre-employment or
2: tenant screening or, or yeah. insurance or, yeah, it, it's, it's got a short yeah. gambit, but. Um, and,
0: yeah. and what but, happens is we become a consumer reporting agency because mm-hmm. we have to. We have to report that information. And if it's challenged, the person who it's about, the potential candidate or the person that's an employee, has the right to challenge it. Correct.
2: Yes, there has to be, yeah. Um, that, that's the biggest thing I, that I can think of the benefit behind and the rules behind the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act is, is that there is a, um, a clear path for uh, for disputing the information on a report,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it goes without saying you hear it on you hear it on TV, you hear it on the radio all the time. Pull your credit report often. There's no telling what you're what you're going to absolutely. find.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And
2: uh, and as I live and breathe, um, it's important to do so.
0: And uh, if you challenge it, they do react to that. They, if there's a they, dispute,
2: they, they do. Yeah, they have to react to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have laws to follow as well. They have to react to it, and they have to they have to provide you a a good response. Uh, sometimes the response is not what you want to hear, and you have to you have to go a little further.
3: Um, mm-hmm.
2: And 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 sometimes it does take legal action to get involved to get something something dealt with. Um, but um,
0: and and I you know. Scott, I, I know this is maybe not a comfortable subject for you, but I'm going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't ask you questions about it, well, but I'm going to bring it I, up.
2: Can, uh, before, before, we, yeah. before we jump ship on that, yeah. to, to wrap up the Death Master file. Okay. Um, we have, like I said, we have finished our processes. Um we're in the process of of getting our requirements into our products. And we're hoping that we'll have everything wrapped up by the first of November, if not sooner. That we'll have now an updated Death Master file in our products.
0: That's terrific! Congratulations on that. I know that's been a long process. You, you and I have talked about if, it if several times. If you to deal with the
2: government, then you understand it. It's it's quite lengthy. Nothing yeah. is done overnight.
0: Exactly right. Okay. And 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 you're right. Fraud is rampant. Identity theft is rampant. Mm-hmm. But there there isn't a law, in my opinion, that can be passed that protects us. We have to protect ourselves.
2: Ex- absolutely.
0: We have to check our credit card. You go get your credit card accounts online, check them every week mm-hmm. or every couple of weeks, check your bank account, yep. challenge anything that you don't recognize, even if it's a dollar, because that's how they get in to get you.
2: Well, think about this for a minute. Um, Apple is releasing their new iPhone. This is not a plug for them. And, and with I, iOS version 8, you have the opportunity now to, to store your credit card information in your phone right. and just swipe your phone. That is the scariest thing on the planet to me
0: yeah me too me too yeah it took me a while to do the starbucks one
3: (laughs) i hear you yeah
0: yeah so um so back to what i was going to say and thank Mm -hmm. you for explaining the death master file because i think there was a lot of confusion about that there was a lot of anxiety um that didn't didn't need to be there because people thought it was going to be cut off totally right and so that was real helpful
2: and that every professional investigator would have to jump through a lot of bureaucratic red tape in order to get access, and that's right. you know that's that's the hit on us. We're we're doing that for the professional investigator. I mean, it's going to be a form that will be coming around, um, and all all of our customers that, that want access to the Death Master file that have a legal permissible purpose to use it so will certify that on a form, and then everything is good to go.
0: Okay, and legal permissible purpose takes me right to my segue. You know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Glad I could help. Um, I I just want to make a statement about uh, if you're listening to this show and you have ever used an online, internet-based data provider, I'm not going to mention any names, but but you all know who I'm talking about. They are companies that provide data, and you can... Give them your, your parameters and get data back just by the use of a credit card. There is no vetting. They're, they don't know who they're selling to. to. Mm-hmm. Some
3: That's
0: of their correct. information is correct. Yeah. Some of it isn't. But the main thing is these providers, in my opinion, provide mm-hmm. a disservice to the world.
2: Um, agreed. And we call them consumer
0: Um, providers, consumer providers. Okay. We call them consumer
2: providers because their information, um, is often public, not vetted. It's totally hit and miss. I can't tell you the number of times that we've gotten phone calls, um, from people that have actually gone out and used some of those consumer companies that remain nameless, um, and they've actually challenged us on some of the information and it's, most of it is not accurate. It's not good stuff.
0: Well, and frankly, I mean, this is a personal and, thing for and, me. it drives me crazy.
2: And once again, I mean, I, I even challenge professional investigators that like to use those companies often because it's, it's typically more expensive,
3: than using
2: um, a data provider that is in this in this marketplace of providing data to, to professional investigators. Right. Um, you know, we do have. You know, all of us have an error rate. Um. Only because it's uh, let's use the term "garbage in, garbage out." Um. When we're dealing with the human factor, sometimes there are still forms that are being utilized to, um, you know, for credit uh, applications and mm-hmm. uh, the wrong key being key punched um, can. Either help you or hinder you. Hence, again, check your credit reports. Right. Um, but we have realized that you know, yeah, these consumer providers of information are getting it where they can, and they and and it's usually it's non-GLBA, non-DPPA data.
3: hmm
2: So there is no permissible purpose. Right. So um, until laws are enacted, you know, to protect that i mean that's the that's the it's i don't know if it's really good to say it's a benefit to everybody out there but but understand that it's it's not it's not gram leach bliley act protected information it's not driver's privacy policy act protected information it's it's whatever you can find on a public server
0: Absolutely true. And, you know, so it's, what, not,
2: it's, it's not good vetted data. And I wouldn't recommend any professional investigator to use that information in a court because um, it it's easily challenged, in my, in my humble opinion.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, and, and for people that are just, you know, the stalkers out there of the world, yes. um, what it's probably going to take is somebody to be in, injured badly uh, by a stalker course, no. who got an address from one of those data providers to mm-hmm. do anything. That's usually what happens. Right. But uh, at any rate, that's, that's my soapbox and I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, but uh, anyway, so back to uh, proprietary databases. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's such a misunderstanding about uh, data providers by the general public, by both state legislators and Congress. They really don't, Seems to me, have an understanding of the use and the necessity for them.
2: Um, Well,
0: do you not agree with that?
2: I do not. I, I. 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 Yes. No. I agree. I agree with that. I believe that they are not educated enough on the on on the benefits behind providing vetted information or as close as we can get it, good information to professional investigators to do what they do best.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's vitally important, and I, I agree with you. I don't think they understand that. I think, I think that they look at that as, uh, in most cases, a, a violation of privacy. When, when it's done right, mm-hmm. it isn't. Yeah. But let's face it, in every industry out there, we're gonna, there's going to be some bad apples that do the wrong thing, whether they, whether they intentionally or unintentionally make a mistake. It is a poor reflection on it can be a poor reflection on the on the industry and we all suffer for it. And it's a good thing we have these associations. My you know, my last plug is if you're not a member of your local associ or your statewide association, get in there.
0: And and let me just say
2: you can protect
0: your your benefit. And let me just say, National Council of Investigating and Security Services, too, that protects Mm -hmm. us in Washington, D.C. So that takes us to the end of the hour, Scott. Thank you so much. Scott, a.k.a. Steve Wilson (laughs) at IRB Search. And tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for listening. It's P.I. Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler.